show it is the first thursday of august and we're here and you're here and we're happy to have you we are uh, really excited uh tonight tonight's a special show um we are going to focus on the lgbtq community and the uh, opportunities and hurdles and good things and difficult things and such that uh that that community faces and what we as um, allies can do to maybe help smooth the way and help educate. And this is one of the things we're going to do. Uh, first thing I'd like to do is to introduce my special co-host. Um, listeners of the next show will certainly know Pearl Tottenham. She has been on as um, to sing as a guest and she uh, has co-hosted with me before. She was reminding me, just a moment ago off air that it was maybe three years ago, but we did a show on uh, the women of Anacortes and their uh, role in the music community and the same, same kind of focus. Hi, Pearl. Hi, Todd. It's so good to, great have to you. be back. Yeah, this is going to be great. And I should just say that when Pearl and I started talking about this uh, back in February, I kind of brought up that I thought maybe it was time we did something together again. And she immediately had the subject and was ready to roll. So um, big ups to Pearl for, for that. I'm, I'm excited, Pearl. So also we have with us Kevin Erickson. Um, he is a former resident of the Department of Safety. He uh, left here after a while to go be involved with the uh, All Ages Music Project. And then after that went out to Washington, D.C., and is the director of the Future of Music Coalition, and he is there fighting for all kinds of um, stuff for our community, from health insurance to uh, really anything that uh, that our community needs, a lot of things that have to do with our financial health. So um, that is great. Oh, good. One of our, one of our other guests is here. Uh, Clyde Peterson is also here. Hey, Clyde. Hello. Clyde has too long a resume for me to put into this right now, but uh, that's why Clyde's going to come back next month and be on um, the show for the whole two hours. But Clyde started your heartbreak, the ba- your heartbreaks. Pardon me, the band. Uh, Clyde's a, a filmmaker. I just watched Tory Pines again last night. So awesome. You should go watch it right. Well, not right now. You should go watch it at like 9.05. Um, Clyde's a visual artist. 
and I uh, am so excited to have you guys. I am having trouble, so just please bear with me a second. We have another guest, but uh, the computer is not allowing me to let them in. So in a change, we always like to get funky, in a change of where we were going to go, uh, Kata Cassidy, producer extraordinaire, sir, will you play, and if you want to introduce it, that Carl Blau song and why you picked it, and then play it, and then we're going to figure out how to get Kenneth in here. Uh, sure. I just picked this Carl Blau song because it, I mean, you're going to find out why in the first uh, lyric and a half. And so here is the fullback song by Carl Blau. around in my town Just like a toddler in a gown This helps the men in dresses to feel safe You'll find your hurt in the third After into enough dirt You'll tap the rushing water It'll give you strength
in Kenneth Pikarski. Um, it's kind of perfect that that was Carl because Carl's in a, uh, a great video for um, their new song from the album Don't Party. The song is called Hair Flip. It's a really good song. It gets you, you know, gets you grooving, makes you kind of makes me want to dance, but I would also tell you it's hilarious. So, um, you know, maybe right before you go watch Tory Pines, you can pull up that video and see Nick and Evie of the business and Carl and Kenneth and just have a, have a good old time. Hi, Kenneth. Hello. <laughs> so, Kenneth, right before you got on, Kevin Erickson, Clyde Peterson, Pearl Tottenham, myself, and K-Doug Cassidy, we are all here and we're happy that the tech stuff got worked in. Great. All right, it's great to have everyone here. Um, I would love to first and foremost um, have everyone sort of give themselves an introduction um, with pronouns. I can go. Uh, my name is Claire Peterson. I live on Guimus, and uh, my pronouns are they or he. And I play in a band called Your Heartbreaks, and I have for the last like twenty years with uh, Carl Blau and like 50 other people who have come <laughs> and gone through the um, Valley Island network, including such greats as Lake and Kenneth and Kevin Erickson, who's on this show, produced one of our records. So it's all connected. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kenneth, do you want to go next? Oh, yeah. My name's Kenneth. My band is Slash Tires. They, them pronouns. Here I am, and I'm muting it again. There's that cat. I gotta take care of the cat. That cat. <laughs> hey, Kenneth, did you just move to Anacortes? Did I get that right? I think they went to put the cat out of the room. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, stick stick with us. Uh, we will get that hot answer here in just a second. That cat is really demanding. <laughs> Uh, who's, oh, Kevin. You are muted, Kevin Erickson. <laughs> All right. I have fixed, that. I have fixed it. I, <laughs> I am Kevin Erickson. I am uh, um, calling in from Silver Spring, Maryland this evening. And I use uh, he, his pronouns. As does my cat who's sitting on my lap. <laughs> But he's not as uh, noisy as Kenneth's cat. He's not my cat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kenneth, I tried to ask you this question a second ago, but uh, do you live in Anacortes? Are, are you moving to Anacortes? Uh, we'll talk about that offline. Booyah. Well done. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I guess I'm the last person besides the regular hosts here. Um, I'm Pearl Tottenham. I... Uh, live in Anacortes and grew up there. Um, and I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. Um, I am uh, Todd Young. I am a 
I will be 50 years old in two days, so I'm a 50-year-old straight white man, so I'm going to do a lot of listening and asking questions, and um, I'm looking forward to both learning, and um, I appreciate that everyone on here is, you know, they're, they're people I know, but there's every chance that uh, just generationally that I might ask something or say something that may come out in a way that could be done better and i'm gonna really appreciate the gentle way in which you correct me um and and help lead me down that that path uh todd i wish more people were like you i think people should welcome being called out (laughs) (laughs) yeah come at it Uh, i have one question just to kind of get us started and then we can just see where this goes okay um in, in prepping to kind of get ready for this, um, I came across this interesting data point, or at least interesting to me, which was that um, 80% of the people in the United States say that they don't know a trans person. And, you know, with such widespread lack of understanding of gender identity issues, at least until just the the very last few years, um, where, you know, now it's becoming, at least it's coming to the forefront, I would say, of public attention, while there's still a lot of education, you know, to go. In fact, the coverage might be outpacing the public understanding. So, the question that I want to ask is, when we had the idea when Pearl brought the idea up to have this show, I thought it was great. And then to be completely honest, I started to wonder afterwards if it was great and it was an opportunity for education and and understanding and et cetera, or if it was in some way, um, I don't know the right way to put it, othering, If, if as guests you might feel like, well, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's not the totality of my of my person. Um, so I don't know who might want to pick that up. I'd love to hear what people think of that. And then let's let this conversation take us where it does. Anybody? I think it's sort of dependent on, on, I think it's sort of dependent on the context um, and like what makes sense for like one geographic community or one artistic community and like how something gets framed there. Like if you just, if you bring it to another space, it, it like, if there's other kinds of sensitivities and other kinds of contexts where like, you know, when I moved to Anacortes in 2006, five or six, um, there weren't many out queer people of any kind um, in the in the town, but because the music community had these um, strong connections to communities in Olympia and to a lesser degree Seattle and Portland, and um, there was sort of a and and the Olympia in particular, I think, had a long history of being recognized as a music community where the contributions of queer people were really um, 
celebrated and centered. Um, that there was a um, that it was that there was a safety associated with that, but there was also like a sense that there was something um, that it, it, it was just like sort of there was there's already sort of a, like a balance being walked like people understood the importance of having music festivals and spaces that specifically highlighted queer performers and yet that there there was also like a sense that those people were part of a broader community of musicians and so that there would be space for both things happening at the same time um Absolutely. I, yeah, um, that really connects to one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show is um, because I've been going to school at the Evergreen State College for the last three years. So I've been oh, cool. living in Olympia and being a part of that community. Um, and I absolutely adore the music community in Anacortes. I grew up in it and it really feels like family to me. Um, and I really wanted to try and, um, highlight like uh, another community that I am a part of within that. Yeah, that, awesome. makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's just very interesting to me. Um, Clyde, but there was also like a sense in which, go, go ahead, Clyde, let's, let's hear from Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's oh. room for everyone, but sure, Clyde, yeah. come on in. I mean, I mean my general feeling on shows that like um, gather and celebrate marginalized communities is that they're really important and that like someone at home in Skagit Valley who might be a teenager might be tuned into this right now and might be feeling queer and alone and they might find out that find out about Pearl's music and, <laughs> and feel like a little more connected and like that I think that that is like at the heart of this kind of work and absolutely yeah. I've been sitting here today kind of checking out on the election results and like you know driving around the county this this week like seeing all the culp signs and stuff and I I like you know 11,000 people have voted for Inslee and 9,000 so far have voted for culp in Skagit County and that's like a very intensely high number of yeah. people um so that's like on my mind as I, as I think about this kind of stuff and as i think about like marginalized voices and um so representation i think is really important and it and i think it is like um in a similar way to saying like black lives matter saying trans life matter and and highlighting those communities and and giving them a space to speak is is truly really important Absolutely. I mean, there's there's ways to do it where you're like tokenizing them, and then there's ways to do it where like letting letting, letting people tell their own stories. So yeah, that's yeah. the word. I was really <laughs> worried, uh, you know, for, for a minute. I definitely was worried about that, about it just coming the wrong way. But it's encouraging that uh, that that doesn't seem to be, you know, an emotion where it was received. I know we all know each other a little bit, so that certainly helps. But um, you know, these are sensitive areas or they can't, you know, they, they can be. Well, I think it was also like when I was putting on shows at the Department of Safety um, and I didn't go out of my way to like make sure that I was booking bands with queer members or 
people whose songs um, like were, you know, celebrated their queer lives or anything like that. But that happened because those were the people making interesting, cool queer music. And when the opportunities presented themselves, yeah, I did. I, I, I was really excited about, um, getting, you know, getting them on the stage in front of kids from Anacortes High School who might not have had an opportunity to hear, um, those kinds of voices before, um, or at least like not mediated through the internet or not mediated through mass media representations, but just to have somebody on the stage and like sharing their voice and sharing their songs and sharing their creativity. Um, and I'm like, even for myself, like, um, being like somebody running in an all ages space in a small town as like an out gay man like and it just not being a big deal and like um it was like never making a big deal about coming out but never hiding that part of my identity and and i think that well i do know now that like having talked to some of the kids that grew up going to department of safety that it did give them a degree of safety i guess or, or just like comfort to have um like not just, not just like, I mean, I don't want to make it out like I was some kind of role model or something. I was just like, <laughs> putting on shows, but it, it, the, the fact that it was just like normal and not a big deal um, helped them and, develop. And you that weren't was just, just you, I not a big deal. But, but also you weren't just um, attending, not that there's anything wrong with just being an attendant, but you know, a, a fan or whatever, but you were, you know, you were living there, you were helping make this thing happen that was a center of the community. And so that does, I don't know if the right way to put it is elevate your status, but it certainly adds a few <laughs> eyeballs to to you. People know who you are, who you may not know till next time. Um, well, I did build a platform for myself to stand on. Um, <laughs> in the back of the so that helped. <laughs> On a on that note, I um, not to get sappy or anything, but I I, <laughs> I grew up in Anacortes. I um, didn't come out until I was uh, eighteen or nineteen, and had been away at college for a while and in a different community. Um, but uh, you know, growing up and knowing I was queer and not saying anything about it it made me feel a lot more normal to see people like Clyde playing shows around here or hearing his music or like just seeing myself represented. It means a lot. That's awesome. Uh, one of my friends was in town yesterday and we drove by the DOS and there was all these free shelves outside. And I was like, oh, I should tell Kenneth about these free shelves. And then my friend said, that place, that building's amazing. Someone should have like a venue in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh I was like, that's the DOS. Like, get on the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked at the, the four red sign and I looked and I was like, no, nah, I can't do this to myself again. <laughs> <laughs> 
no one so, someone surely can. <laughs> Kenneth didn't find out how much they're charging. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I was. I can't. I'm not going to run two venues. <laughs> one is I'll enough. Try. I'll look it up. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> was there any? Um, did you feel, Clyde, since Pearl mentioned you? You know, did you feel that 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 you were doing that at the time? I mean, you know, did you have a little bit of that self-awareness that while at the same time you were growing and, and I mean, you, you can chrono, uh, chronologically talk about um, your own path as you as you would like to, but definitely, you know, we're talking 10, 15 years ago. Um, you weren't maybe as centered as you are now. I mean, none of us are. Forget, yeah. right? So did you have a self-awareness that that was part of it or was it really just you being you doing your thing and, you know, that came later? Well, 20 years ago when I was like starting to play music, like it's very much related to what Kevin was saying about being a musician in the Pacific Northwest. Like there was a really strong network of um DIY musicians, Riot Girl, punk. Um, and part of that was like a queer vein of musicians and bands and weirdos and art nerds. So my like desire was just to, I mean, first I grew up in that and then I wanted to be a part of it. And by the time I was a part of it, it was over, but I was the next wave of it. Um, and so yeah touring throughout the last 20 years like i certainly have had like pretty wonderful and in intense experiences meeting like young teens who are at shows um particularly when i tour with kimmy dawson like she has a pretty serious following of of tweens who are like very emotive and very queer and so definitely met a lot of really wonderful uh, teens coming up and uh being part of it is awesome i tend to not think about it too much to be very honest, like I'm pretty focused on just like performing or making the music. And, and I do that just because I like to do that. And it's fun for me. The um, audience engagement part of it is not at the top of my list in terms of the music stuff, but, <laughs> but I do appreciate it. Yeah. What I'd like to do, because this is a music show, is I'd like to play a song real quick, and then we'll we'll just continue our conversation. But, um, K-Doug, can you play um, off of Drone Butch Blues, the Your Heartbreaks track, Our Forbidden Country? And, um, Clyde, you put that out in 2019. That album was recorded right here in town right it was in january uh 2018 we recorded it at the unknown with carl blau and nick wilbur we stayed over at sheila and reese's house in the valley and uh they're out of town and there was a million snow geese and we saw a really crazy eagle fight one day so <laughs> you know all the good stuff gonna fight awesome. the pink okay. eagles yeah we saw five eagles fighting over the carcass of another bird <laughs> Five? Four dude eagles, and they were like fighting, and then this kitty eagle swooped in and just took that dead bird. And just, oh my god! It was captivating. That's a, that's a good. That's a, that's a great. I love that. That's excellent. Yeah. 
Here it comes. Okay. Benches built 
how much of a quiet goose? Huh, maybe I need to adjust the microphone. I don't know. We we got a we got some tactical difficulties here. <laughs> You're an engineer, <laughs> aren't you, Kenneth? Oh, just gotta find to me, Kenneth. I mean, I'm goofing with my input on my on my computer, and I I just can't. I'm not seeing any bars, so I I really don't know. <laughs> You know, like like I see zero. Like, did did the computer just hijack? No, you sound fine to me. No, you sound good, man. Yeah, you're sure? sounding all right. You're coming right. through ten ten snow geese strong. Jeez, man, <laughs> ducks, watch out! We're we're gonna we're gonna flock flock you to into the tomorrow. <laughs> we're gonna do a delta formation. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, you know, look overhead! Wow, deaths are coming. <laughs> <laughs> on that note kenneth do you want to talk about how uh how <laughs> anacortist is uh or how you've uh how, what your role has been in the anacortist music community uh how oh, i you've have no idea like like this is one of those things where people will ask me like oh what's your like as if i'm self-aware enough to like, <laughs> my role like i partially am but like you know like somebody will ask you like oh what's slash tires like so here's a scene. Somebody, somebody is like, "Oh, what kind of music? You make music?" I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "What kind of music?" I'm like, "I don't know." And then like, I'll like grab grab a friend by like their their collar or something and drag <laughs> over like a freaking cartoon, and uh, and and uh, I'll be like, "What's my music sound like?" Tell them, and they will tell them. And that's how that's how I I, I don't know. Like I I don't <laughs> like I don't like promoting myself or or it's like I don't know. It's it's better if somebody else describes what I'm doing because I'm not particularly good at it. Because um, hey. I have one idea and then it comes out in a completely different way. You know, it's like when you're when you're in your brain self-narrating if you have that cognitive ability, and then you try to kick it out and somebody's like, "What are you talking about?" Which is most of the time with me. <laughs> I can tell you about my experience of Kenneth in Anacortis. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Kevin. Take it away. My experience of Kenneth is Ana in Anacortis is like. He's suddenly there and you don't know why. And then you realize you're so grateful that he's there because he's incredibly helpful with everything. But then like, why am I there? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, well, Kevin, you left, you left before I, I came to live here in, from 2013 to 2015. So I don't know what capacity <laughs> like, Pearl, you met me because you were like I, I, like I was just like on the street or something, and you yeah. were like, hi, and that's it. And I don't know what what like what's like that's an example for Kevin. I just I exist suddenly for somebody, and then I don't know some whatever from from there. Sort of a uh, like a cryptid sort of being. Let me put it this way: <laughs> I think that I think that I remember Kenneth volunteering at what the heck fest. Is that right? Uh, I think not officially. I think like helper, like I'm a helper, you know, like that's how like, and it's like, uh, it's, it's like a thing where I want to help people out and, and uh, like I, I need, I don't know, I don't know how it started, um, but I, I remember helping, like when I first make, met Lake, I helped them load in some equipment and load some stuff out when they, played uh three two one uh in the tri cities three two one was a venue there that uh kevin my friend uh tim langang ran from i don't know how many years that was uh i i showed up i showed i i was there for the 
couple the, the last couple of years kind of ended a little bit after I moved over to uh, Bellingham to go to school at Western. But um, I, I think it's just like, I don't have anything to do. Most of the, I mean, like I didn't have much to do. <laughs> and I think searching for, I don't know, like wanting to participate in community is really important to me. And, and, as a, and like, you know, I have a heart, I, I definitely better, I don't know, it's, it changed, it's changed. I don't know how to def compare it now to before, but um, I definitely need to be busy at a show. Like I can't just enjoy <laughs> the music. I have to do something. Um, and you know, I, it's not like that I'm bored. It's just like, I have to be kind of active. Um, and I don't know, it, it's just like, it's, it's a problem. Like I can't just like sit and enjoy a show for the most part. Sometimes I can, I, I'm better at it now, but like, <laughs> like with US shows, it's like, yeah, I could have like helped. I could have just like, been been somebody that went to Fonty Fest at uh, the US when that happened, or I could I don't know help everybody out because it seems like helping is the thing to do. And also, I was also kind of crashing there at the same time. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's like what else am I going to do? Just like sit around and listen to music? Yeah, that sounds chill. Sure. Were you already were you already performing at that time also, Kenneth, or working sort of you know whether in quotes or not, sort of in the industry? Yeah, industry's funny, huh? <laughs> Say it again, I need a good laugh. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah. Even tangentially, you know what I mean, involved with music. Like, my first memory of you and my second and third are all related to you and Carl. Carl would bring me somewhere, or I would meet up with him somewhere, and you were there. And, you know, super candidly, like, I definitely did not ever leave those situations thinking that you wanted to hang out a lot. Uh, not like you were mean to me or anything. It just didn't seem like. You oh, know. this has come up a lot in recent years, and this is not, <laughs> this is not a personal thing. This is a this is a, a uh, sort of distracted and dissociated state that uh, uh, is 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 a. Uh, it's come up from some people who have the the audacity to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, go, it's, Todd. It's, it, it, I'm not going to talk about it because it's a it's a, it's something that's between me and my therapist. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's 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 nothing that's personal to anybody. It's just like a, a sort of it's a thing. Uh, yeah. It's, well, it's been, I never took it personally. Just to say that. Now, here's a, a personal question, though, and we're here to talk uh, about these issues, so you can not answer it if you want. But let me ask oh, you yeah, this: Where were you? Um, if you don't mind answering, where were you like on your, um, you know, your personal journey of self-identification and would, would that, you know, would that have been involved at all in, in all of this? Um, in music or what do you mean all of this? Yeah. I mean, in your path into music kind of, you know, Clyde was talking a little bit about how there was a, um, I don't know if subculture is the right word, but there were, you know, pockets of um, of support, if that might be the right way to put it. Clyde, yeah, so I, just, I, I have yeah. a different... It's great, yeah. Oh, what, Clyde? Subculture, great word for that, yeah. That's a good word. I, would, I like to say sub-subculture in some cases, <laughs> this time. Um, what, Dumb macro, culture. Macro, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I grew, so Kevin and I grew up in eastern Washington, or as a friend would argue, central, <laughs> south central Washington. 
Um, that was a friend from Palouse. They're like, you're not, you're not from Eastern Washington, you're from South Central. I'm like, shut up, Kate. Don't take this away from me. It's the easiest way I can convey this to anybody who lives on the west side of the mountains. Like everything is Eastern Washington. You know, when you pass the, what is it called? Snoqualmie Pass? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, very, they're very different environment. And I think, I think the, the, um, I don't know. So part of the aforementioned associative state, I think is part of, um, uh, you know how people kind of like, I've heard it described as come online or whatever, you know, like you, you exist, mm -hmm. you just like exist mm -hmm. and then something happens and, or some things happen and you have, you have some, uh, a different layer or just you have some self-awareness. Maybe this makes sense to anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like you're sort of a conscious being at some, and, and then you're like, what was I, what was I, or what was I doing before? And that's happened, I think, a couple times with me. One first what time was in was when I was in a freshman year, a freshman year of high school, and all my friends, you know, in so few words, but so many ways, um, were like, uh, "You're living in an abusive household." And then I'm me being a quote unquote rebellious teenager, because I wasn't rebelling against that. I was just like, "Something's up, and nothing's matching up here." And um, that's a, that's a longer topic that I won't go into, but. Um, uh, I, I think I think it, it's a sort of thing like the way I grew up. I think stunted my sort of personal development quite a bit, and uh, and I, I don't think like I always kind of I, when I when I talk about that topic more in depth and growing up and sort of personal development with 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 friends, uh, the way I frame it is that I am I am a couple years younger than I actually am. In, in terms of catching up to everybody else, and you know, I'm sure you know everybody's like that. But um, it, it's sort of, I mean, I've been like just, I just been, you know, everybody's figuring their stuff out, um, you know, through most of their early adulthood, and you know, even beyond. But um, for me, I feel like I am, you know, like I'm always kind of behind uh, people that I that I people I associate with or people I know or my friends. Um, and so there's like, a, there's like a lot of learning sort of figuring out, uh, and, and like introspecting a little too much, you can take a, take a break from that. Um, but I, I think that like, I don't think, I think with the music thing, like being around people who are, who, who appear, I'm not going to say they are themselves, you know, they appear like they are themselves or, 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 or completely actualized or whatever. Um, I think that that's sort of. That, is, that has helped me feel like, oh, like I could do this or I could be like this or whatever, but it's never, it's never like a strong, like I'm going to be just like this person. This is a, this is a role model. Um, uh, maybe Clyde, I think Clyde's the only exception to that. I'm going to be like Clyde. Um, and um, I, I think that like, uh, it's been sort of like, uh, I don't know, like, Clyde and I had a conversation I think it was about the time that I was going to move up here. It was like a November. We got pho, and we had a conversation about, and Clyde, I forgot how you exactly phrased it, Clyde, but you like kind of posed a question. You posed a question about to, like why I don't just identify as like non-binary or something like that. Do you recall this? I don't, but I believe you. Yeah, we we it was on it was at, it was at the the one that was on the east side of University Ave. I forget what the what it was what that one was called. 
Um, might have been the Thai place. Uh, Couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I can, I'm kind of, whatever. Um, anyways, we had, it, it was sort of like a, a, a thing that, something that Clyde posed to me, and I hadn't really thought about it, but like, I haven't really felt like, you know, with, within the, the, the musical subcultures, let's say, um, that I really identified with any of them or really felt like I fit in, you know, with them, even like, you know, the groups of people that I live with. And I think it was like, I, I was kind of thinking about that a lot. And then I thought about it more after Clyde posed this sort of uh, self-identity question to me. And I think, and from then, I, I, I think it was like that, that kind of kicked off and thinking like, okay, well, what, what are some, my, how am I, is this like a term to put to a feeling? Like I don't, I didn't, I don't really feel like, um, I don't, f I don't feel really good about being uh, grouped into a, uh, grouped in a way. Everybody gets grouped. It's, it's fine. Um, I had an argument with my sister about this a couple, like a couple months ago uh, and, and, and daddy, big tech gathering data on everybody. But um, uh, it, it just, I don't feel like I feel like fit into a, a, a particular identity so that like the non-binary thing seemed to work just fine. That's the, that's the short part of it. I don't know why it took so long to get there. Um, but I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's been any sort of like solid alignment to a subculture or even that like the people, folks in subcultures are really re representing um, like this is, this is completely my thing. I'm going to be an anarchist or I'm going to be like a, um, uh, a punk or, you know, whatever comes with that. Um, because it's kind of, it's kind of like a trap. Gosh, I have to say, Kenneth, that, that, you know, even just in your description of it, it really, well, but I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, it sounds hard to pin down and what I am, you know, part of what we're trying to do here, right. Is to educate. And so, you know, coming from over here where I'm sitting, where, I mean, I've had my own challenges, but not in this like discussion that we're having, not on my uh, gender, let's say. And it just seems like your answer even showed how difficult and confusing it must be to, 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 to have to wrestle with that where there's no clear signposts or the ones that you're getting are not right. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't know if what I'm saying also I mean, makes any sense. Doing, everybody's doing that, you know. It, it, you know, I, I think maybe my like <laughs> my long-winded <laughs> meandering maybe exemplifies that a little bit. It's like, yeah, no, not. I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know. Um, it, it's just I don't know. It, it's I'm frustrated a lot, and I'm frustrated with 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 a lot of my feelings and. Um, how how the world is and uh, uh, you know just like things that we want that we can't have and it just it it, it, it like like a very it, like comes out like a very personal thing of like oh, I want I want to be like this well I I can't really be this um, mm -hmm. or I can't have this thing because uh, you know the, the you know type of person I am but I'm I mean not applying that strictly to me it's just like I feel like everybody kind of feels feels like that. 
Yeah. I feel like that's a really integral part of like any queer journey is just realizing that like you can't really be anything but just like who you are, you know, and that like, it's okay to be that. Um, I, I mean, that was always, a, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no worries. Just, I, uh, I, I really resonate with some of your sentiments about uh, your experiences being non-binary as I myself identify as a non-binary person. Um, yeah. I really don't think personality traits are quantifiable by genitalia, you know? Well, I, and, and I think that's something that I've appreciated about Anacortis is, uh, and, and music in Anacortis is, um, or at least like the, 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 the portions of it that I participated in when I was living there, the, that there was just sort of, if I tried to sort of like map out, like, or describe what was happening musically, I couldn't, but I could sort of map it out in terms of like, there just weren't a lot of rules. And, and, and so like you could go to a show and, and like, here's um, Al Larson playing a duet with a speaking <laughs> spell as people do jump rope. And yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, this, this is awesome. This is great. And, um, and so um, the sort of, you know, the sort of um, difference and diversity of expression is like, not just like not a problem, um, but like, and also sort of like not even celebrated on its own, but just sort of assumed like the, like the idea the space the space is made for stuff um that in other more commercially oriented or like major market or like competitive kinds of music spaces or cultural spaces like would not necessarily be viable but um yeah it's just it's it's like, of course, it's fine. It's what it's it's what it is. And so, like, I like for for me as somebody who is like alienation from larger culture was like not primarily like for reasons of sexuality, um, and but like more just like global, I guess, than that. Um, <laughs> Uh, although I think it was a part of that, that there's sort of like, there's a, a, a narrowness of, of tolerated expression for masculinity and, and sexuality, but like that, that there was, you could just, you, you could just expect like lots of different kinds of humans to just like be doing weird stuff all the time. And that's that, and that's not fine. This is not a very articulate expression. I'm sorry. Welcome to my club. I'm on the East Coast. I'm a little tired. 
<laughs> Still plenty understandable. Hey, Kevin, uh, let me ask you a question. You are married, right? Yeah. Can you just, I mean, can you talk just a little bit? about i mean how long have you been married how long was that after it was legal uh is you know was that uh, yeah seven years um so i i don't i don't remember um how, actually how long it was after um the the, the you know it's so well, funny i don't need a date but what i mean is like that wasn't that long after it became legal that wasn't too long after obviously um, not terribly wrong. i think so there was the national decision that made it legal nationally and then i think um before that it was on a state-by-state -state basis that's true good point okay um but uh you know i think that i th the way that i think about punk rock deeply informs the way that I think about marriage. <laughs> um, and I'm serious about this and I am going to get choked up, but like, um, what I learned from my experience in Anacortes was very much that like wholesome and subversive are not opposites. They're the same thing. And, um, marriage is the same way. Like people talk shit about gay marriage and I'm, can I swear on this? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Anything you want to say, buddy. <laughs> okay. But people, people, there's like a very valid critique of gay marriage that comes from some corners of the queer community. Um, that marriage is like patriarchal or rooted in patriarchy or can be oppressive or is like appropriating, um, a set of standards that comes from, um, capitalism or just heterosexual like mainstream society and why would you want to fit, force yourself into those confines and my response is sort of like well it can, can be that but like not if you're doing it right because marriage <laughs> can be something that is simultaneously wholesome and subversive um it's a space that's that opens up possibilities for creativity that could, couldn't otherwise exist um, and that's, that's why it, it can be a space of incredible potential and radicalism. Um, and if you do it right. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, that's, that's well beautiful. said. Yeah. And that crosses. I'm really looking for a dowry and property. That's, that's my, <laughs> that's my need. How many cows am I going to fetch? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Canada's going to catch like. 50 snow geese. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kevin, thank you for being so open and, and honest about that. Uh, let's do this because let's give us all just a moment to catch our breath and let's remember that we, we are a bunch of music people. And so, uh, K Doug Cassidy, can you get Pearl's track Halloween Island together? And let's, let's play that track and then we'll come right back and continue what we're doing.
need more geese on that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> just before Pearl gets us going, uh, we should just say, because she just told us off air that she did everything you just heard. Every instrument, wrote it, sang it. You're awesome. I also recorded it and mixed and mastered it. <laughs> everything, everything. <laughs> I did everything. I did all Where, of this like in my what? parents' basement. In your parents' basement? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, um, Pearl, do you want to pick it up? I know you had a couple things, or I can. Yeah. I would love to hear from people. Um, uh, how is being a part of the LGBTQ plus community shaped your art? Like what kind of influence has that had? Cause I know it's had a pretty profound influence on mine, um, whether or not it's noticeable. Um, I would like to hear other people's experiences. Will you tell us your experience? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much every, uh, love song I've written in the, in the last couple years was gay as hell um, <laughs> because I am in a queer relationship. Um, but uh, I, um, yeah, I I use writing as a as a, an outlet for the things that I have a hard time expressing otherwise. Which sexuality and gender identity is a really tough thing to grapple with, especially at first. Um, so, like there were there were quite a few songs that I um that i wrote as um in my uh pretty early years of college where i was sort of wrestling with okay do i put pronouns in this or not am i ready to let people know like who i'm interested in like am i ready to let people know that i'm bisexual am i ready to let people know that i have this uh gender identity that's not so clear um and i think Music is a great outlet for that confusion, <laughs> almost. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've written several songs that are pretty, pretty uh, obvious, I think, um, <laughs> but a lot that are not so obvious that date back to me being like twelve years old, um, <laughs> and, like writing sad gay poetry in my bedroom and putting it to guitar chords and you know letting everyone think it was about a boy. <laughs> um, but uh, besides that, being a part of a community that I feel has a really strong attention to the arts um, has been so great. Like the amount of support within the LGBTQ community and then the amount of support from the music community for the other side of that is really, really uh, heartwarming. <laughs> Makes one feel safe and supported. That's awesome. Um, I can talk about my last record and about that topic if you want. Yeah, uh, please do, Clyde. I made this record called Drone Butch Blues, which is a pun on a book called Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. <laughs> uh, it's a kind of famous queer book mm -hmm. um, about a person who is born a woman and passes as a man and, and works in the 1950s in um, just uh, male-dominated jobs and uh, is queer and dates women. And this record, I, I, I was 
pretty captivated by the art of David Wanarowicz, who um, was a kind of New York-based artist who died of uh, AIDS in the 80s. And I went and saw a show of his at the Whitney um, when I was on tour. And then I was like, oh, my God, I need to read every single one of this person's books and journals. And <laughs> ta- he has he was, like, prolific. Um, and so I got really excited about uh, queer history in that particular subculture of, like, New York pre-AIDS and like learning a lot about that and just it's very like captivating to my imagination because I was like oh my god people used to just go clubbing all night long and there are all these crazy (laughs) warehouses and stuff um that's the sort of thing I really love so uh or like love reading about at least and so I sat down to write like a very specifically like super queer record about like this particular section of history in a place in a particular time and a place kind of new york east coast um late 70s early 80s and so a lot of the songs on drone butch blues are about stories that i've heard and read um, from that time period and uh it was you know like pretty emotional to like read a lot of those stories and think about like the all the great amazing artists who were were um you know killed by HIV and AIDS uh basically like murdered by our country yeah um and like the circling around of that feeling uh-huh. again is it's quite intense and um as like this pandemic hit I was like it's like actually not cool to be ahead of the curb on plague art I was like, oh, I wrote a record about a plague. (laughs) And it's not that cool to be like, I've been thinking about a plague for three years and now here's another plague. And they're not the same plagues at all. But um, it was on my mind a little bit. But yeah, uh, I've always been really... um, felt very lucky to have grown up in the Northwest and been surrounded by such amazing um queer ancestors who have like paved the path before me all all the way back to the original folks who lived on this land and um and like sometimes like growing up in that scene meant like learning that some of those people actually weren't so cool which was like a hard lesson to learn just like in every community, like my friend, my friend Ivan Coyote has this sentence that goes, gay does not always equal cool. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, it's so true. Like capitalism ruins everyone. It ruins all of us. So like learning that lesson was hard and is hard as you, as you grow up. But um, Something I love about this particular group of people that is on the air right now is that many of us have run DIY all ages spaces. And I think that a lot of us in this interview right now are like doers and we're like wiggly and we can't help ourselves. We don't like to be at shows sitting there watching the music. Like we were like, we run around the board or we want to sell the popcorn. We want to whatever, like do it, clean the dumb bathroom or something. Like we just can't help it. And like I don't I don't know where that compulsion comes from. Like if it comes from like feeling like you don't have community and you're trying to build community and build your nest over and over. 
or if it's just like you're you can't help it but um i've been thinking about that on this call and how about a lot of us have been involved in knowledge spaces which is really important there really is an interesting thread there even you know doug doesn't like to talk on the show as much but you know he i mean you know he has to fully be included obviously this show wouldn't even happen without him but it's like a lot of shows wouldn't happen without him, you know mm -hmm. and um yeah a little a little extra shout out to uk doug because you know i definitely feel that um i always like to be doing things i always like to you'll see me behind the board at many shows and if i didn't have that i guess it would be fine i would just drink more and dance more <laughs> yeah i definitely have seen you behind the board at a lot of shows in my life <laughs> i've seen you drink and dance a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of both full spectrum <laughs> Yo, one of my favorite things that i've ever seen in anacortis let me just tell you what is like when Kenneth was living up here, uh, the first the first round, and Carl was playing with the Brown Lantern, and <laughs> Kenneth, I came up to visit, and like I came in the Brown, and like everyone just knew Kenneth, and they were all these like people were dancing to Carl's music and saying hi to Kenneth, and I was like, this is just the sweetest scene right here. <laughs> like <laughs> there's like six people hippie dancing in the Brown in the entryway to a carl blau solo jam i'm bugging and the then, bartender for some chartreuse and they're like what are you talking about we don't yeah care. and like everyone's like oh my god hi Kenneth!" and i was like man it's a real classic scene right here it's a good memory yeah i i think i i never really like it didn't really fully hit me how like tight our music community was until i was um at an amp event um that i was also volunteering at um i think it was either amp fest or solstice fest um a couple summers ago or maybe even just last summer um where i had someone with me who was not familiar with the community or like um familiar with uh anacortis music even really um and like i didn't even really realize until like how many just how many people like i knew until there was someone who didn't know all these people and they were like hey someone's saying hi to you like every five seconds what's going on <laughs> you're really popular <laughs> i'm like no we're just we're just a community we're tight <laughs> yeah we are a community and we are tight it's a it's a special thing that we've got everybody on here and i i especially like that you know like kevin's so far away but He's not, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, he's right over there. He's half asleep right now, but he's not <laughs> gone. So. I know that Carl's tuned in right now, so. Carl. It is true. Yeah. Carl. Once you've been a part of the Anacortes music community, you're never really out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't uh, know if I answered your question, Pearl. Um, oh, no, you didn't. I would love to so hear your answer. So my primary creative practice is as a producer. Mm -hmm. um, and 
there is this question that like musicologists ask of composers and record producers um if there's like some kind of queer sensibility or like sonic and i think that's there's not really but there are some like, <laughs> historical reference points and so i think that because culturally i'm interested in queer music that like i have i when i go into the studio like i'm interested in like some of the sensibilities that come from that but i think that more than that like i'm in the i don't make records um as like uh i have a job and i'm not a recording engineer like for my primary means of employment and so i can choose pr what project to work on basically on the basis of if i'm excited about it and so that's sort of where you know like where i do tend to get more excited about something that's if i'm going to spend the time working with a band i'd rather work on something that i feel like i'm contributing something special or helping something get into the world and be like the best expression of itself and so i'm especially motivated to work with uh, artists that are doing that they're bringing something new to the table and oftentimes it just ends up being like yeah they're they're queer artists or they're um you know they're doing something that i haven't heard before that i that i can feel that i feel like a connection to that i can help them elevate it um although i've been too busy to do a lot of recording lately so soon again hey kevin can i ask you one question uh unrelated really to the overall subject but you're right in the middle of it do you have any information for us about this save our stages um initiative that is yeah in congress is um, there, could you encapsulate that kind of in a give a little short of, of yeah. what it is and what's Actually, happening um, there's a, there's a number of, as the, um, next round of COVID relief legislation is being put forward, there are a number of provisions that impact the music community that are under consideration, including the extension of the $600 uh, unemployment benefit and other, uh, fixes to the unemployment, the pandemic unemployment assistance programs that already are like way weaker than they ought to be. But in addition to that, there's a number of um, proposed provisions um, th that target uh, the music community specifically. And um, one of them is uh, the Save Our Stages bill, which is um, backed by a new group called the national independent uh, venue association and um it's basically it's i can't get into the mechanics because they're fairly complicated but it's basically allowing for um a bailout for some of these venues that have just like completely shut down and we don't know when when they're going to be back up again um all over the country and yeah, it's terribly frightening. Just um, let me just 
interject for one second that I, I know at least, you know, my roots are in Austin and I know the Austin venues association, whatever they're actually called said that, uh, within six months. So like by Christmas, if nothing changes, 90% of the venues will be gone. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite an upsetting situation. And I would also say that like it's made worse by the amount of consolidation that we're seeing. So like the, the worst outcome is that like a couple of the largest companies end up buying out all of the venues. And so every venue in every town is owned by like one of two companies. Yeah. Hopefully we'll avoid that. AEG. Let's take one second here, but uh, let's hear uh, a little bit of music and then we will come right back. Uh, K Doug, if you will play um, When Home Was a Blue Sky, which is another Your Heartbreak song off of Drone Butch Blues. Thank you. 
All right, and we are back. Um, I have a, uh, a, a subject I'd like to bring up. First of all, Kenneth had to run. I mean, Kenneth didn't have to run. Kenneth is here. <laughs> Kevin had to run East Coast time, whatever. Uh, so thank him very much. I mean, you know, we really appreciate that he was on. Um, but Clyde and Kenneth and Pearl and Doug and I are here uh for the duration and we have a surprise coming up in about uh 20 minutes um so here's the thing what's the surprise i just ate a scone that was the surprise for me (laughs) so here's a uh something that i want to ask you guys and you can you know answer whoever wants to or everybody can there is this uh i think it's fairly common misconception that gender identity um, and, and, and gender expression are linked to like your sexual or your romantic, um, attraction. And, you know, that's a misconception that is not necessarily true. I'm sure whatever. So just, does anyone want to comment on that? That that doesn't, that's not a straight line. Yeah. Um, I, I personally have had a pretty pretty fluid journey with both sexuality and gender. I feel fairly fluid in both. Um, and uh, I, I definitely um, sort of came to terms with and recognized the sexuality stuff long before the gender stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, one never really impacted the other in my experience. And um, as far as I've... Uh, seen in the community that I am in it is usually a pretty uh, separate journey to figure out both. Agreed. They're two different trains. You can ride well, on two different train tracks there. Gen- sexuality is like who you're, who you're into. Gender is your uh, performative nature of and that can go all over the place. And we're all affected by all of those things, even, you know, yeah. straight people and queer people, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. it's such a misconception or myth that that straight people or cis people are are the norm, where they're, they're just a societal norm of expression. Um, when really, like, there's not really a normal. Everyone's, everyone's got their own weird little way of expressing who they are. Everybody just needs to take a sociology class and learn about what social constructions are. That's <laughs> this is, it's like such an old hat. Just take yeah. the damn class. Uh huh. Well, could you give us a like a, a forty-five second or two-minute class? I mean, can you break that that concept down just a little bit? Because sure, let that's... me find let me find the, the definition online. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a heavy, you know, that's a that's a heavy concept and you know, not a not everyone has even been exposed to what you're talking about. What what a social construction even is, right? Any it, okay, so it's it's just like um it's just something that society makes uh to it's it's a it's a it's a definition that society puts puts on puts on people it depends on like what society what society or culture or subculture you are like it's not real that's essentially it's just it's like Mm -hmm. um 
it's just not real. You just like make up, yeah. make it, make something up, and that that's that could be the social construct. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. You just shit you can just make up, and then yeah. there's no. Like, that's a great. I mean, that's a great definition, though. That's I think that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, um, the the simplest way I can really really think of like why gender roles are are a complete social construction is that every every person who is born has within the limit of human ability has um like infinite potential for anything and they're really only limited by the uh social um what's the right word obstacle not obstacles the social categories that they're placed into um it's like if uh, I don't know, like your dog wouldn't recognize what like a work day is, or like your dog can't like they know what time you FaceTime. come home, FaceTime. but they don't know why you're leaving the house every day. They don't know like they don't know why you need money. Money's a social construct. Like it doesn't know what money is. Yeah, it dogs don't understand money. Milkbone? Is that a dollar? I don't know. I don't know what a dollar is. I'm dog. <laughs> Hello. Feed me food. You left. I don't have any object permanence. <laughs> I mean, dogs do. Um, sometimes it seems like cats don't have a sense of object permanence, though. <laughs> I think they do. They're just really fucking with you. Just like they're really. They can really be like they know. Like you know, cats are smart because when you don't tend to that cat, it's gonna shred up that 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 sofa. And you know it doesn't do that most of the time when you're not in the room, just when you are, like, really busy. My cat likes to take a shit in places that I don't want it to when I'm not giving it the giving her the attention that she wants, which is kind of funny, I think. Not, not really at the time, but it's always like, oh, it's almost like self-reflective, right? It's, it's her way of saying, dude, you are ignoring me. And I think back and I'm like, oh, you know, for the last two days I've been non-existent. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you know, that ha tends to happen when you buy a goose. You get a goose. <laughs> you pay so much attention to the goose, the cat's like, what is going even going on here? I'm not, I can't eat this thing. I can't get rid of it. I'm stuck with this goose. <laughs> what a goose of a situation. I'm a geese here. Geese off. Yeah, geese are another thing that probably wouldn't recognize social contracts like gender. No, they don't care. Speaking of milk bones, I saw this the guy the guy on the Guimasphere that's like super jacked, like he just deadlifts all day long. Oh, that's what he does. I was I, was I don't know. I'm just guessing. He like um <laughs> I saw him like pull out some milk bones out of his pocket and charm some dogs the other day, and I was just like, <laughs> uh, I know what your secret is now. <laughs> <laughs> he deadlifts dogs. <laughs> deadlifts doggies. I was I was trying to figure out like is that the rope. Is that like is this him swirl twirling rope all day? Like that's mm, like jacking no. up like that. I think he deadlifts other humans. Yeah. He is really strong. <laughs> I'd like to see him punch a piece of wood really hard. <laughs> like you ever you ever look at some people? You're like like how would that person it, like? What would his resistance training for for somebody like that? But with wood, you know, like do they just like? run up with their like chest pushed out just like into like a you know like a like a two by four and it snaps in half fuck snaps different pieces doug can yes. do that yes doug let's get you on the horn here 
Doug, tell us about your muscles. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. Mm. Show me the way to Muscle Beach. <laughs> Oof. Hey, you guys. So, um, listen, I do have uh, <laughs> one of the things we... We're going to have two... Sorry. Sorry, Todd. We're going to have two sunrises this morning. One's it com It's coming over the valley of the mountains, and the other one is, is it's coming over Doug's muscles. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that we said we were going to talk about today, and it's a little bit heavy but is uh we were going to talk about not just you know opportunities and and support that the community offered but um also difficulties that you know have happened look we all know that there are a lot of um hardships that you can run into as you figure this out about yourself. Not everybody is uh, open-minded or accepting. Some, you know, people have very serious family issues where they might get, you know, shunned or disowned or whatever. Um, friends that can't understand, I guess they're not real friends in that way, but, um, and things like this. And so I guess, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself about times where maybe you encountered negativity or discrimination within our community that, and how you were able to handle something like that. You know, I mean, this is maybe so ridiculous i'm making this up but maybe it's not ridiculous like when you're on tour and you know maybe you're driving through small town kansas and you know i i don't know i mean are those things that you have also i have to assume maybe that those are things that you've also encountered and had to work your way through and i wonder if any of you would like to talk about that I think uh, I, I, having been isolated is the wrong word because we are, I am very much around people here, but um, being as I've spent most of my life in uh, Anacortes and Olympia, um, I, I have had an overwhelming amount of support from the people around me. Um, but regardless of that, we still live in a really heteronormative society that uh puts this overwhelm that really just put this overwhelming pressure on me to be something that i wasn't uh which i think was the most difficult thing for me it was more internal struggle and internal ho internalized homophobia and transphobia towards myself and that kind of thing man yeah, yeah. that's Sorry, Clyde, I didn't mean to cut oh, you it's off. Okay. No worries. I mean, I, I have spent like my life in big cities, small towns and tour events for sure, you know, um, and there is discrimination and hatred in all of those places. Uh, I don't think, I, living in the Northwest, we have a particular discrimination towards the Southeast, which I think is totally fucked up in it really backwards way of, of thinking about people that live in the South. Um, 
and that's something that comes to mind very often because we live in a state with like tons of white supremacy and all kinds of stuff like and homophobia and and so uh you know speaking to experiences like i've been super lucky to to not be a target of like very much hate um but many of my friends in seattle have been totally beat up and injured and um the primary like discrimination i have faced like throughout my whole life before i even identified as queer is like just uh people are always like you're in the wrong bathroom like there's no right bathroom for me to be in like i just look like a tomboy since i was like freaking three years old so like before i knew about the construction of gender i was in the wrong bathroom so Mm -hmm. that speaks to like it existing outside of like humanity in a ethereal way that is absorbed into all of us and and influences todd and doug and everyone here you know as us people identify as cis men and so that has like trained my body to act in certain ways to be in try to be as invisible as possible Mm -hmm. uh to hold my bladder as long as possible to (laughs) Um, kind of decide which bathroom I'm going to use in certain gas stations in certain states based on certain laws. Um, and one of the things I, that is challenging in the Pacific Northwest is um, people don't often say what they really think. One of the things I love about the Southeast is that people just say what they think and you know where you stand. But here we're, we're pretty like, conservative to like actually speak our minds. But if you do, then you're fussy. Yeah. Fussy person. Yeah. And so that's like a, that has, I would say that has been one of the more challenging parts of my life is like in the Northwest has been like not really knowing where I stand with certain people. Um, and, and in different regions of the globe, it's totally a different thing. It's like so cultural and so regional um, safety for everyone is changes as we like move throughout the planet. So yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about that. But yeah. Uh, not, not through the, you know, orientation lens, but definitely growing up in Austin, <clears throat> excuse me, and living there for 20, you know, some odd years and now living up here for 20 some odd years, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I really have to agree with you. That was one of the things I was most shocked about when we, you know, during the first year or two or three of living up here, where, you know, I had a certain perspective on how open and inclusive and et cetera things were. And then I kind of saw what you're talking about, that there were certain things that were like, not said whereas you know maybe and i this is so stereotypical but maybe i would be in you know small town texas and there'd be some racist there and it was like at least i know and then yeah. i can get the hell out of here but yeah exactly yeah yeah i i also think there's there's something to be said for um the global community affects every individual so like whether or not it's okay in this small community that you're in right now you sort of have this knowledge that there are is a pretty sizable amount of people in the world who would 
like not care if you died. <laughs> you know, it's it's a really heavy thing to think about, especially when you're young. Yeah, it's how we think about it every day. Like transgender black women are killed like every other day in America. <laughs> and it is that is insane and horrifying. Yeah. It is horrifying. Um, yeah, I recently saw this like just like quote someone had written that was like, don't ask why, like, like, it was like, men hiring sex workers should demand that sex workers reveal if they're transgender. And then the, the end of the quote was like, those sex workers should demand that the men will murder them if they're transgender. Like, it was just oh. like, you know, like, actually don't like blame me for being trans. Like, how about like, right. talk about like, how you feel about that and like if you think i should be dead which i was like right that is that's so good like just put it back put the hate back on the person and right. the, the hate back on like the question back on the person i know it's a really intense topic yeah. to just be like bam but you know you're yeah. you are asking about like a pretty intense topic yeah totally. yeah yeah and i don't have the numbers in front of me but i know that um a huge percentage of underage, you know, street kids, the street kids are um, struggling with these same kinds of issues, whether, you know. They're, yeah, they're kicked out of their houses. Right. Yeah. Themselves, so. That's right. Yeah. Or have to leave because of the violence that is about to happen if they don't leave i mean i guess that counts as getting kicked out but you know yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there are all kinds of situations that force people out of their uh homes because of their identities yeah true yeah but uh hmm. like yeah. A, a slightly nice thing to think about in that aspect not obviously not the people who are in um situations where they don't have a place to stay but uh it's it's a sort of phenomenon that happens throughout the queer community where uh we really build our own families like almost every queer person i know has a quote-unquote queer family like it's uh we tend to form really really intense and really rewarding bonds with our friends yeah. I mean, something I'm, like, definitely heartened by uh, is, like, the next generation of youth in general <laughs> and, like, how much access they have to information, like, growing up without the internet, like, I had no access to information about queer identity, mm -hmm. uh, I had no words for it, but I, I'm just, like, loving watching like a new generation of people with like endless amounts of information at their fingers, like learn about the possibilities and be like 10 years old and be like, all of these possibilities exist, exist for me in every direction. And watching that like form identity is so, so cool. I yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I personally, I work with, um, I work with children in, um, in a, in an educational setting. I um, have done a lot of volunteer work with um, Rain City Rock Camp in Seattle, which is a camp for girls and gender nonconforming youth, um, which is 
fucking awesome. I can't even like begin to <laughs> say how incredible that organization is and how much they've helped me. But um, uh, like seeing children as young as seven years old, eight years old, like embrace this and have absolutely no problem doing it, like gives me so much hope because sometimes it's really frustrating trying to talk to people who already have their mind set on something and yeah you know don't want to deconstruct that Whew. yeah these are heavy subjects it's um it's, it's heartening, though, just to pick up what you were saying, Clyde. You know, I have these two boys, 18 and 14, and, you know, like, it's kind of embarrassing. What I'm about to say is kind of embarrassing, but again, remember, I'm 50 years old here in two days. So, you know, when I was growing up, um, there, there was not this kind of understanding, and the idea of you know, sitting around with your friends and being like, oh, that's gay or whatever, didn't mean to me that I was saying something about your sexuality. But as I got older, I came to understand why that had come to mean, you know, that I was using it like dorky or, you know, whatever. But it, right, it had come, it had these roots that were much harsher for the just the generation right before me and you know you you kind of get acclimated and so i guess i'm sorry this is kind of stream of consciousness but it's a little bit of like it kind of overlaps with the concept of uh structural racism to kind of jump over to just a different subject but it's like you if you don't if you don't know about redlining if you don't know about the history then you might not know about it you know what i mean and then so where I'm going with all of this, with this long thing here, see, Kenneth, I can do it too. It's not, it's not just you, buddy. Um, is I've got my kids and they could give a shit about somebody's sexuality. I mean, they really like, you talk about it being encouraging, Clyde, like it's kind of amazing from my perspective. I thought it was something we were going to have to really teach and be, you know, and yes, we have done our job of like undergirding, but it's like they just they just don't care. There, there's enough of it coming from all sides that they that's not a thing they care about. Right. It's like it's not. It's like getting normalized in our cultural setting. So like mm-hmm. they're seeing it on cartoons, and they're you know like as they're growing up, and they're seeing yeah. it from their peers. Yeah, I definitely like grew up calling people faggots and stuff. You know, in middle school too, like that was like not a cultural yeah. uh, understanding of what that was actually connected to, or like, yeah, or that's gay, or like, you know, definitely also use that terminology lots of times. <laughs> like, it's very cultural. Yeah, it, it's something that's like we have we have so much like sort of toxic heteronormativity ingrained into our society and ingrained into our language and the way we interact with each other and the choices we make. It's, it's a lot of work to confront them and deconstruct them. Yeah. Or even just start to understand it. Like what Todd's saying, like, I just didn't even know what that meant. 
before. Well, I knew completely thing. when I was a kid because I was like calling things happy all the fucking time. Like, that's, gay. <laughs> that's gay. That's so gay. This is cool. We have like, I think uh, we're each like 10 years apart or like six years apart going down the <laughs> chain here. So this is a really good age spread. Yeah, we do have we're about to hit 40 good. this month. So yeah, that's good. I like this age spread you've yeah. got here, Ted. And I'm a, cool. I'm not even 21 yet. <laughs> Amazing. That's cool. Just a, just a child. We actually tried to get a couple high schoolers who are, you know, um, would fit in well. And, and I, you know, they weren't able to, or, it, you know, that didn't come together, but, um, um, but anyway, I agree with you. What's your birthday, Clyde? Mine's coming up on August 27th. I know yours is just in two days. So let me write this down. I got to put it on this, yeah. this form. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's happening. Yeah. I really think that this is the other thing that's so amazing is just that we can all talk. I mean, you know, there, there has to be in, in, our, in our current this is something Pearl and I talked about maybe about a month ago, but in our current, um, you know, atmosphere, there sometimes can be difficulty with like allowing um, people who, you know, don't understand to understand and correct themselves because there can be such a quick backlash of like you should have already known and whatever depends um, on the person it does you're it depends on who it is you know and mm -hmm. i don't know like i wouldn't i wouldn't assume i wouldn't assume either way with with folks um i've had experiences you know people people when people get me wrong i'm like real soft about it because it's like it's not a big deal you know like I get it, and then I've had experiences with people before where it's like, like I, I um, like I killed somebody, or I threatened <laughs> to kill somebody. Sorry, kill somebody's extreme, extreme. Threatened to kill somebody, um, and and that wasn't particularly helpful. Uh, and and it, it was a moment. This is like, ugh, this is like two thousand nine. Um, it, it was it was like a sort of it was a thing that I th I thought about many times since and realized like, Oh, there's no way that like, a not something like, like, it's not, it's not that person's job to inform me like, Oh, well, what, what the proper, um, you know, what, what this whole thing means. Um, we know when I think, I think it was, they, they kept saying, uh, referring to somebody with they pronouns, I was just like, grammatically, how does that work? And I think they were really not understanding where I was coming from. <laughs> Grammatical standpoint, I'm like, wait, I don't understand. The sentence is really confusing to me. I'm not understanding this. Well, um, and, and they just thought I was, um, well, my assumption is that they thought I was just being un uncooperative and, and like a shit. Um, but, uh, I learned, learned from that experience, uh, that old person was kind of an asshole anyways, but I kind of learned from that. of just like, well, I don't want to like make anybody like feel, feel bad if they're like, if they have no idea, if there's no frame of, frame of reference for like how to, you know, let's say, um, uh, properly uh, address somebody by their, or to address somebody by their preferred or proper pronouns, right? Um, but also everybody's different, you know, whatever. Um, and and sometimes there's no, like, sometimes people need some signaling for that. They need some sort of, uh, sort of, I guess, um, 
cues or something, as far as attire or just, I don't know. Um, there's that article, Clyde, there's a thing that came up a couple years ago. There's like an article, I think, you and I read separate points where, where somebody was like, went to like Portland to like a, to like a, some sort of craft convention and they were, they were like, Gadar was like super goofed up because every, like a bunch of people had like, uh, they were like, oh, this person's queer because they look like this particular way or they dress this particular way. But, but actually like, um, they were just crafters. Yeah, they were just crafters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's just like, it's like some there's inevitably some overlap. <laughs> Yeah, right. it's, 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 so it's like um, I don't know. It, the it, it's I forget where I was going with this. But. Well, I think the the point uh, was, or at least my point was, and I think you were you were saying the same thing is that you know if you have two people with good intentions, the teacher and the learner, whichever, however that kind of plays out, then there's space for that, and there's space to grow. Yeah. Um, if there's not, then you get, then there's not, and that leads to aggressiveness and misunderstanding and it just goes very quickly down the wrong path. <laughs> my, and My favorite thing is when somebody is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just like, geez, chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's like, yeah, I think that's something that like, it's particularly culturally American is like, to say that we went, we finished high school and we're done learning. And, <laughs> and then some of us go to college or whatever, but you know, or if we're lucky, we finished high school, but like, then we're like given permission culturally, culturally to just be like, well, I'm done. I'm done learning and growing. I'm an adult <laughs> now. I can drink a beer and buy a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I don't have to like inform myself about anything else anymore. I don't have to. They had to learn how to buy <laughs> no, the I'm cigarettes. I'm a complete person more. forever. Yeah. I think there's like a, a big problem in that. And, uh, and then we end up with like this like world of humans that like doesn't want to keep having conversations and doesn't want to keep growing and learning. And then we just have to wait for like that gen to die off and then the next gen has to pick it up. Fucking drag it into the, this hole. Yeah. Yeah. I like, couldn't dig that, that deep because the previous generation <laughs> broke off the handle to the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what we're seeing right now. Like with the black lives matter stuff is like, people are like, no, you need to sit down and you need to listen and you need to learn. Mm -hmm. or you need to get out of the way <laughs> right right but, like well, and, and make space i really like this point and i think it's a good it's a good place to um to sort of wrap up this portion of our conversation i know that i am very appreciative to how much you guys have been real open and willing to engage on you know issues that don't always get talked about a ton. Pearl, I'm so appreciative to you for, you know, just being such a cool person, but also, you know, you have brought to this show a couple times now subjects that um, I don't know if we would have gotten to without you. And I, I love having you come on here and help. And I hope you'll, you know, do this again. Um, Listen, I want to take this last few minutes, though, to uh, recognize that 
last month on the 9th of July was uh, Jean-Vierre Castres, the anniversary of her passing. And, um, you know, she was such a huge part of this uh, community, this music community. She, you know, of everybody I know and all of you musicians are incredible in your own way and uh, et cetera. But she was a special kind of, of a person who just, she was doing it her way and she brought something special to us. So in, anyway, in to just remember her, um, cause we didn't do anything last month, uh, about it, it because the anniversary came after we'd like to play a couple songs of hers before we go so um doug's gonna play those songs you guys stick with us and we'll we'll wrap up we'll be a few minutes later than we're supposed to be but anacortis music project radio we live by our own rules over here <laughs> so Free there we go so here's jean viev sweet
Evening party, Titian concert, Easter. Jouer l'apocalypse au piano. Salon, près de regret, à son visage. seems to be uh, just about the end of our show, the end of our time. Um, thank you all so much for being guests. I know Kevin isn't here anymore, but uh, thanks, Kevin, also. Um, thank you, Todd and Doug, for letting me do this show. Um, it was a great time. And thank you, Clyde and Kenneth, for sharing your experiences with us. 
and yeah, listening for to mine. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. And please remember, uh, come back next month, the first Thursday. Clyde will be here for the whole two hours. You will hear a ton of his music and hear a bunch of a bunch of stories that are that we won't tell you right now. <laughs> Did you guys know that I played my first out of town your heartbreak show in Anacortes? Wow. Oh. Deep 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 true fact. Above the <laughs> above the cookie factory. Uh or the 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 bakery. Magic City. Oh. In Magic City. It smelled like cookies. <laughs> nice. Um, hey, I want to say that tomorrow is band camp day and the hundred percent of the profits go to bands. So you got y'all should buy some records tomorrow from Oh yeah. Tomorrow is people. band camp day. I think Carl has a new record and um I don't know I, who uh, else does, but you should buy the Slash Tires record. You should buy Pearl's record. Actually, yeah, that's a that's a great uh, transition there because I forgot to say that um, for Bandcamp Day tomorrow, I'm spontaneously releasing a three song EP. <laughs> Pearl, what's your Bandcamp? What's uh, Pearl Tottenham Music Bandcamp.com. Pearl, 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 what? How do you spell that? Uh, T O T T E N H A M. That's it, folks. Pearl Tottenham. Kenneth, you said you didn't know how to market. You're a, you're a born marketer. Uh, Carl does have a new album. I think it's called Music for People of All Ages, Kids of All Ages. Um, yeah, I think it's a kids album, right? That's right. right. And then, Children of All Ages or something like that. I know that uh, Phil Elvrum is releasing Microphones in 2020. Um, tomorrow, there's some... You'll have to yeah. go look it up if you want to see it, but there's some big video extravaganza that is going to accompany <laughs> that also um and then these incredible guests and like you said Bandcamp has given all their money so god i'm so glad you said that clyde you are a natural well i got a i got a record label you know i got i got it on my mind <laughs> all right this has been the next show tune in next month we'll have clyde for two hours and uh we will see you then goodbye and closing out tonight we'll be oh. having a we're featuring a, a actually i have a i have a surprise for you uh -oh. i have a new song out it's, uh -oh. <laughs> it's, it's it's called goose honk <laughs> also we didn't give a round of applause to okay, Doug. you can't hear it i'm playing it right now through my speaker ah! <laughs> Kenneth, hey, can we give a round of applause to Kata Cassidy? If you're in your house, do that. But Doug, you're the bomb, Doug. Awesome. Bond, Thank Doug. You, Doug. All right, I think we're outie. Bye. 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 Keep the goose alive. <laughs> <laughs>
Or 